You are about to listen to a message from David Bendet, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's desire is to see people lit on fire by God's love, His Word, and His presence. So prepare yourself to be inspired by the wind and the Word, and get fired up about what God's doing today. Everybody's running, and only one wins the prize, and it's not just you, you, you. It's not like each of you, oh, you beat me, congratulations. It's not like, oh, you made it and I didn't. You left me behind. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom is we all run. Say, we all run. We all run. And we all win. We all win. Okay, now, not everybody said that, so let's say it again. <laughs> we all run. We all run. And we all win. There's one prize for one body, for one person in unity, full of fire, full of love, and running according to the rules, running according to God's purpose and plans for our lives without shrinking back and being disqualified. And today we're going to make sure that you don't walk out of here feeling disqualified, and we're going to make sure at Rock City Church that we do everything in our power that you never feel disqualified or become disqualified from winning the prize. You're going to win. You're going to win. Christ paid the price. His blood has been shed. It's crying out. Victory's done. We're not pawns on a chessboard. Oh, you're, the night got whacked. We're all kings and queens and the dark side's lost. That's what I'm telling you. If you get this warped perception that we're all just some part of God's chessboard, we're all just a little pawn He's just moving it around, and here comes ISIS. Oh, my gosh, fear, worry, ah, sorry, casualty of war. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom is sons and daughters. The kingdom is rightful inheritance. The kingdom is signet rings on your finger. The kingdom is stamps on your heart. The kingdom is his DNA running through your veins. The kingdom is the fire and the breath of God empowering you and propelling you. The kingdom is that instead of hiding Behind the fig leaf when the sound of the Lord comes and God has to come find you in hiding, you just stop playing hide and say, God, you caught me. And you just come out. Imagine if when Adam and Eve sinned, instead of hiding, or when they found themselves in shame, here comes the sound of the Lord walking in the garden and they just come out, come out wherever you are and they go, oh, you found me. Lord, you found me. What do you think he's going to do? Do you think he would have whacked their heads off and killed them? Said, look at you. You had this whole garden. You had every tree. You had my, me walking in the, with you. You had the best of the best, and now you screwed up. Look at you, you failure. You should be ashamed of yourselves. That's the lie and the deception of the devil. Because even when Adam and Eve had sinned and were hiding and he came and he busted them, you know what he did? He made a, he made a sacrifice and covered them. And then even though there was a consequence, a result of the curse, Jesus would later come to reverse the curse. But in the garden he would make the promise. Right after the fall he would make the promise. And he'd say now thorns and thistles will come when they shouldn't have come. But you'll, you'll produce herbs and Jesus will come. And now you're going to crush Satan's head because he will be defeated. So all principalities and powers have already been defeated. But you don't know it and a lot of times we don't live like it. Instead we walk in shame and fear and isolation. 
If you're walking in shame and fear and isolation, you learned something somewhere that was jacked up and dysfunctional. Some church, some pastor, some worldly belief system, because we don't teach that here, and that's not who he is. And if you want people coming out, man, pastor's not hard enough on sin. Pastor's not tough, and he doesn't preach hell enough. If that's what you want, this isn't for you. Yes, there's consequences, but there's love, and there's life, and there's promise, and there's hope. And the first way to get you out of consequences is get you to know the kindness of the Lord. Because it's the kindness of the Lord, the Bible says, that causes men to repent. Because he loves you so much and he keeps hugging you over and over again when you didn't deserve it. Oh, you screwed up? Come here. I love you. I'm with you. And then he reminds you and the Holy Spirit reminds you. Say, oh, I know you didn't do the best thing last night, but come here. I love you. And at some point you get hugged so much that you say to yourself, I can't take it anymore. I give up. But we want, we want religious Oh, oh, pastor, you need to whack him over the head with the Bible and shake you out of your dysfunction. I'll shake you out by getting you out of hiding and showing you the love of Christ and that he cares for you. And I'll show you by demonstrating that because I'm not perfect and prone to weakness, I'm going to worship like never before. Not because I'm so good and righteous and mighty. He can understand. I can understand. After failure, 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 failure. When you fail a thousand times and you realize the Lord keeps loving you through it all, you finally say, you know what? I can't take living in darkness anymore. I'm just going to come out naked, naked, and we're not afraid. This isn't a TV show. This isn't naked and afraid. Come on. You all know you like that show. This is naked and unashamed. This is naked and now covered. Covered by the blood. Covered by the love. Covered by the kindness. Covered by the fire. Because the Bible says there'll be a wall of fire around us. And then the glory will be on the inside. And the fire has to be around you so that when the enemy tries to defeat you, all he'll see is the consuming presence and fire of God. Now, I don't fully know what's happening, but when the Lord says, let me loose, we let him loose. Because we're snapping out of dysfunction and shame and isolation and fear. And we worship because we're loved. We worship because he laid his life down and because we don't deserve it. We worship because when I kept screwing up over and over and over again, he pursued over and over and over again. So when Adam and Eve sinned and they hid, here comes the Lord. Here comes the Lord. Oh, you're in shame. You're in adultery. You're in failures. You're isolated. And you're going out to get your water from the well. And you... And, the, the Samaritans don't even talk to the Jews, so there's no, it doesn't make any sense that Jesus would ever show up at the well. You're thirsty and living in temporary pleasures, and you come to the well, and there's a rabbi. It doesn't make any sense. And for some odd reason, the disciples said, now, Jesus, you just stay here. We're going to go to the town and get you some food. And there's Jesus sitting alone at a well. And here comes a woman, an adultery husband, living with somebody that's not even her husband. Shame, darkness, isolation, everything that could be broken, broken. A damsel in distress. 
And she comes to the well, and there's Jesus sitting there. And Jesus says, will you give me a drink of water? And they have a conversation. Why would you ever ask me? Rabbis don't talk to Samaritans. What's happening here? Something's amiss. And, sh- and Jesus says, if you knew who was asking you for water, you would ask me. Because the water that I give will cause you to be fully satisfied forever. It doesn't mean that I'm not thirsty right now for more of him. But it means instead of the temporary pleasures of what I get from the world, now I have a satisfaction that never fades from him. And I'm never thirsty. I drank once and I drink every day because I need him desperately. But I don't have to drink from the well of the world anymore that dissatisfies. But I can have satisfaction. And I get satisfaction. In my work I can learn to rest because if you can't rest in your toil and your work, if you don't know what it means, I'm just going to go with it today. Uh Excuse me. We didn't even take an offering last service. I don't know if we will today. (laughs) If you don't understand this, this is governmental position. Put up that scripture, Proverbs 28.1. When the enemy is in terror and fear, When we're constantly living that I could have a home invasion or be raided and fear, 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 fear everywhere around me. ISIS, the economy, the presidency, my job, my money, my kids, my home, my life. What about me, my clothes, everything that I'm going to do. We live like pagans chasing after the things of the world. Anxious minds like meteorites detached from the rock. And the first thing Jesus ever did when he ascended was this. And now I fight differently, not from anxiety, but the Prince of Peace crushes Satan's head. I I already drank my coffee last service, but I kind of wish I had it now. And it doesn't mean I don't jump down and shikarabasata. I command every demonic stronghold to come down and I speak life to you and I'm interceding for your kids and your family and your grandkids. It doesn't mean I don't pray, but I never leave this position in my heart. Because how could I ever lead if I'm anxious and fearful and worried and not bold as a lion because I'm made righteous by the blood and now I have seated government authority because he seated you at the right hand of God in heavenly places. He is the prince of peace. And the prince of peace gives his children peace. And he wants you to be at peace. Not anxious and full of fear and worry and doubt. How can you run your businesses or live your life or work for crazy employers? How can we survive this world? Not by popping pills, drinking 40, smoking doobies. Not by running to the Num Num Hotel because I can't take it anymore. (laughs) And we complain because we have it so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. We don't know what hard is. This is easy peasy. And we live in victim mentality. And we come to a church where we can worship freely. In a nation where we can worship freely. And instead of lifting our hands, we sit in shame and pity. Because I didn't do it yesterday. And I sinned last night. And God doesn't care. And I screwed up. And now I'm back in hiding. And we sit in our chair. And the, and the fire is pouring out. And it's open heaven. And we're living in condemnation and shame and victim mentality. And I'm here to call you out of it. 
Oh, sorry. This is how you serve right here. When you go to other countries, places where they're oppressed and suppressed, they're on fire. Amen. The church in China right now, millions and millions of born-again Christians living underground having to hide. People being murdered by the government on public TV, run over by cranes. Churches that they worked hard to build, even tried to do it the right way by signing me up with the government. Here comes the government, bulldoze. You get in the way of the bulldozer, die. That's happening right now. And the church is on fire. And you kill one and thousands and thousands come alive. Kill one and bam, here comes a kingdom. You go to Cuba and the government owns everything. And if you want to eat, you have to order your pigs and your chickens from the government. There's no supermarket around the corner. You don't get to go to the store ever. And you walk into a church of 250 square feet in an apartment, and there's a curtain that's blocking off the bed in the kitchen, and they took the 150 square feet and made it a church. And you walk in, and it feels like you step into the king's palace, and suddenly two people, 10 people, 20 people, 50 people, 100 people, 200 people show up to a church of 150 square feet. And there's a no PA system And they line up out the door because the government owns the property. You don't just get to go build somewhere. What you've got is what you got. In the 50s, the government took over everything. Now there's potential legislation to change it, and I hope it happens. But in that country, the church is on fire, and that's the mission field. And for 40 years, an entire generation is stuck on an island. And let me tell you something. When you get stuck on an island, you make a decision. We're going to have revival right now, <clears throat> or I'm going to live in shame and condemnation and fear and suppression. Intertwined throughout the entire Bible is affliction, suffering, tribulations, trials. Anybody that's going to be bold for Jesus and do what Jesus did. When you start when you start praying in tongues, when you start casting out demons, when you start laying hands on the sick, when you start having worship like this, two things are going to happen. One is riots and obscurity and people persecuting you because telling you you're crazy. It's a cult. That long hair, are you praying tongues? You still believe in that? Just cut that out of the Bible. Oh, doing what Jesus did, let's only do some of what Jesus did. Let's be nice and preach a nice gospel. And we'll even throw some hell in there. That'll be okay. And you get persecuted, and people will call you crazy. Tribulation, trials. That's why Paul said to his spiritual son in 2 Timothy 2, endure hardship as a good soldier. 
Don't entangle yourself with the affairs of this world, but work to please the one in whom enlisted you. To be enlisted means to enroll and engage. To be entangled means I'm negotiating with the world on the side. But I'm called to be a good soldier. The word soldier in the Greek means I'm his strategy. The exact word for strategy is the word soldier, which means I'm his battle plan. And so are you. And he says to endure hardship, which means affliction. It's difficult. Oh, I didn't get to read my Bible today because I had, you fill in the blank. I was too tired. We find all these excuses and all these reasons in the comforts. Because the minute we get comfort, comfortable is the minute we lose our edge. We can't stay comfortable anymore. We can't. That's why in the midst of being uncomfortable, in the midst of enduring hardship, we become a good soldier. I become his strategy plan. Now I'm enrolled and enlisted. And by the way, he, 2 Timothy 2 comes right after 2 Timothy 1, by the way. I know that's... I know you knew that. <laughs> but you know what's in 2 Timothy 1? Stir up the gift that's inside of you that came to you through the laying on of hands. Basically, stir up that experience that you once had and have more experiences. You can't live off yesterday's experience. You have to have daily bread, continuous encounters with him. And so he says, stir up the gift that's inside of you for God has not, verse 7... 2 Timothy 1, 7, strip the gift because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So there's a battle to endure. There's, there's overcoming persecution. And the second thing that happens when you decide to get lit on fire and be radiant and radical and bold for him, revival. No, I'm telling you. You'll turn a city upside down. They'll riot. But then suddenly the temple of Diana and all the witchcraft in the city, suddenly that, those doors will close. And now you'll bloom and blossom. And some people may be martyred in the midst of it. But if you kill one, thousands are going to be raised in the midst. But we have to break the cycle of shame. We have to break the cycle of dysfunction. We have to break victim mentality. We have to snap out of our Americanized, Westernized Christianity. We have to understand that the kingdom's every nation, tribe, and tongue, and every social status. The wealthy, the poor. Every tongue, every tribe, every color. God brings them all together because he's no respecter of persons. And so Jesus hung out with the poor, and he hung out with the wealthy. It didn't matter. He didn't isolate himself. He didn't create a sub, this separate little sect. Instead, he empowered and he loved well that called people out of hiding to transform foul-mouthed, cussing, drinking fishermen that couldn't stand the religion of the day. I'll pick you. I'll pick you. Outcast, screw up, failure, shortcoming, woman at the well. And so Jesus is prophesying over her and she's just rocked to the core. And while they're having their finishing up their conversation, say, okay, Melody, you got that figured out? Here comes the disciples. All right. And then you run off. The disciples see me talking to you and they think to themselves, what was he doing talking to that girl by himself alone at the well? I wonder what happened when we weren't here. 
I wonder what he really did. And they wanted to say something to Jesus. You read the story, but they didn't. And instead, they said, come on, it's time to eat. Let's get focused on our natural cravings and the things of this world to satisfy us. When little did they know, the woman from the well had run off to the city, told the whole city who she had just met, and now the whole city said, let's go see. So on the back side of the story, what you don't see, it's like a movie reel, on the back side of the story is a whole city coming to see Jesus, and the disciples are saying, now you really need to eat. Come on, what are you doing here? And why were you talking to that girl? You need to eat now. You must be tired. Come on, it's lunchtime. Why is that pastor preaching so long for goodness sakes? I gotta eat. <laughs> Service two hours? No. Churches still go for two hours? Yes. They do. And if we don't have encounters, if we don't experience the living God, then we wasted our time. You parked in the parking lot and walked in next to a Dollar General in an obscure shopping center in Flower Bluff for no good reason. And how many of you just love wasting your time? None of us. I know how hard it is to park there and walk in. I know what's happening in this place, and I can see the enemies hard working to keep you isolated and backing out, and you don't need that. Let's get you alone. Isolate you. Get you in this shame, darkness, because you failed. And if they really knew who you were, the thing is, is I don't really care because what I see in you is yes. promise and hope. And I said, you get up there and you lift your hands up and you stop living in that pity part. I don't even need to know what happened. Because if you want to drive back the enemy's plan, you do it like this. It's so easy that it's so hard because what will you think if you see me flipping my hair around and dancing like, what will happen if they see me really get out of my chair? I got to be nice, prim and proper church guy. And we shatter that mold now. And we break the cycle of dysfunction and we say, I don't, there comes a point I don't care anymore. I'm so done with the pig's food the pig trough, I'm so done with the prostitutes that I'm running to my father's house and I know, I know he has a ring waiting to put on my finger. And the very best, most precious lamb that they raised in his house, his pet prized spotless lamb, he's going to sacrifice and he's going to have a party for me and I'm going to be so loved that I'll never ever, ever want to go back to where I was. Because I can't live that way anymore. And we can't come and just play church. We're not little green army men. This isn't Toy Story. We're strategically positioned as a battle plan. We're sons and daughters. We have the answer for everyone, for everything. I have the answer for all of you. And it's not a magic trick or a magic wand, abracadabra. It's not a formulized, read this manual, follow these 10 steps. You better get four years of theological education under your belt. You better go to church more. You better sign up for the class. You better get into the program. 
The answer I have is the answer you have, and his name's Jesus Christ, and in him is life and love and liberty and health and freedom, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Do you understand? Freedom to do what? Where the Spirit of the Lord is. There, pull up that scripture from Corinthians. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, and it's freedom to look at Jesus with an unveiled face. Watch this. Now, the Lord is Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, but now look at verse 18. But we all, everybody say, we all. We're not like Moses where we went to the mountain and had to veil our face and then we came down and you were so freaked out because I'm shining so bright. You're like, I can't even look at you because of sin and shame in your life, but I'm so shiny bright. And now you got to separate yourself from me because I'm the pastor. I loved it when I went to, ran to the bathroom and there's Daniel, a spiritual son of this house, lining the kids up to go to the bathroom and, I'm, and they got to go. And when they go, we don't let anybody else in the bathroom. I said, listen, I need to cut in line because I got to go. And he says, well, you better hurry up because they got to go. <laughs> and I was, I'm in the bathroom doing my business giggling. <laughs> I said, this is family. Oh, he told the pastor, you better hurry up. That's my boy. Yeah. We don't have to hide in shame and fear, and we're not so spiritual that I can't come down to the lowly you. But instead, all of us, everybody say all of us, we're beholding as in a mirror. The image and the glory of the Lord. And we're becoming transformed by what you're looking at. So the picture you see is what transforms you. And if you don't see an accurate picture of who the Lord really is. And you got a religious mindset and you're such a failure and you're no good. You're never going to get it right. And I'm really just out for your money too. And then you shrink back and you don't trust and you don't love. And you walk separated and we don't get in relationship. We'll never get transformed. But if you see an image, if you see a picture that God really loves me, and instead of playing hide and seek, come out, come out, wherever I just come out. Oh, Lord, you got me. Oh, I'm uncovered. Oh, don't see me. It's like, like he hadn't seen, created him. They were already naked before. And so it's like, now I'm coming just as I am. And I'm unashamed because I know you love me and you're not going to whack my head off. And instead, I can be transformed. Everybody say transformed. The word transformed is the word metamorphosis. Now you went from a crawling little earthworm, bloodworm, groundworm, inchworm. I don't care what kind of worm you can think of. Whatever it is, instead of crawling on the ground, you get up into the cocoon. You build yourself a secret place with the Lord. And suddenly in the secret place, not out of the secret place, the colors were found in the hidden secret place. And the colors and the blooming and the blossoming, suddenly I went from a worm eating the dust of the ground into a hidden place. And now I become transformed. But I'm transformed because of what I'm looking at. And if you're not looking at the Lord, if you don't have an accurate picture of who he is, what you see will skew your vision. You'll have a warped picture. 
And that's not what we teach here. And that's not who you are. I'll tell it to you a thousand times. Until Jesus comes back or I die, which I don't believe is going to be for a really long time, I am going to tell you this story over and over and over again. And we are going to raise up sons and daughters and lovers and radical worshipers, and it's going to be you. And they're going to say, your friends are going to say, I never ever would have thunk it. I never would have thought it could have been you. You old drug dealing, foul mouth, sleeping around, alcoholic. How could it have ever been? That's not, and even your own family will never understand because your own family will still see you the way that they raised you and that you should be like them. Well, not you because you got an on fire family. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know you. I'm just telling you, you have to understand that people will not have a clear understanding if it hasn't happened to them. Because if you haven't had the experience, how are they, if they haven't, how are they going to understand? A man with an experience is never subject to somebody with an explanation. Let's explain away tongues. <laughs> oh, it was just for then. Let's explain away the gifts. It's just for those. those that was just to get the, the church going. But then God stopped because now the church is already global. Really? This world is fascinated with Harry Potter. This world is fascinated with Star Wars. This world is fascinated with Lord of the Rings. This world is fascinated with Hollywood. And God's got something way better than Hollywood. God's got the real supernatural that you can't even fake it. That's pretend. This is reality. I'm not knocking all those things. I'm not, don't get offended at me. I don't care. I got much bigger things to go after than whether Harry Potter's right or wrong. I don't care. <laughs> what I care is, is if it leads you down something God doesn't want for you, it's wrong. Yeah. If it's demonic, it's wrong. If it causes you to want power that's not from the Holy Ghost, it's wrong. If it causes you to believe in spells and witchcraft and sorcery, it's wrong. And you hear from the Holy Spirit for yourself. And if you're reading the same Bible I'm reading, if you're hearing the same Holy Ghost I'm hearing, then we're all going to be unified together. And I don't have to pick, pick and choose between this and that. I like Star Wars, the Force, but I don't like Harry Potter, the this, or I like the Lord of the Rings, and I like Gandalf the Wizard, but not really wizardry. How stupid. And some people won't like it, and I understand. And trust me, I don't, I'm not into wizards and sorcery either. But what I'm telling you is, is, is you teach people to get fascinated and rock and to do, pull that scripture back up on the screen, please. You teach us, you teach people to look at him. Because when you look at him, you become radiant. Everybody say radiant. radiant. When you look at him, suddenly we're transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as we behold him with an unveiled face. Everybody say unveiled. unveiled. So take off the veil. Take off the veil. Did I do something funny? Okay. Huh? Oh, you fell out? Good. <laughs> I like it when people fall out. Then I'm really preaching good. <laughs> As you grow in Christ, you begin to understand the wiles of the devil because the enemy, because the Lord doesn't want you to be ignorant of the wiles of the devil. I can show you that in scripture, but I'll just tell it to you. The point is, is he wants you to have an understanding. The devil wants to come and tell you a false identity of who you are. He wants you to get a picture of who you're not. He wants to tell you that you're never going to make it. You're a failure. You're got, you should be afraid. Instead of being bold like a lion, you should flee like a terrorist. Yeah. 
or flee because of terrorism. And so we think at night, you never know, home invasion. You never know, I'm going to die. You never know, an accident on 361. Listen, you don't live in that world. We're sons and daughters, and I'm going to believe you're all going to live a long life forever. And I'm going to believe that we're not going to have tragedy because I'm bold as a lion. So what bold as a lion means, think of what a lion does. There's opposition everywhere, and a lion ain't afraid. And a lion is standing firm, the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he's got an offensive play. He's not playing defense, he's offense. Lions are offensive, not defensive. God is offensive, not defensive. So I'm not waiting for their next move. I'm tearing down the wiles of the enemy in advance. I'd already know the next move in the context of, oh, that church, that pastor, that move of God, that you start doing anything supernatural. I triple dog dare you. I'll throw out the gauntlet. Next time you go to Walmart, pray for someone. Go out, next time you go to the gas station, you're in the drive-thru at McDonald's or wherever you go, say, listen, can I pray for you? And they say, uh, no, I'm too busy right now. Okay, just want you to know Jesus loves you. You go to Walmart, you're at the checkout line, and you just look and say, listen, I was standing here. I know this may sound strange, but while I was standing here, I just wanted you to know that the Lord really loves you and he wants to come and visit you. Yeah. Ah, ah, the checkout line. <laughs> but you know what will keep you from doing that? Self-consciousness. You're not good enough. Look at you, little old you. Little old failure you. You don't... You're just such a, you go to church, you don't do this, you don't do that, and you did this and you didn't do that. Let me tell you something, the minute you start opening your mouth and you take a chance and you say, I'm going to worship him and I may not have done it all right, but the Lord just so happened to have given his life when the world was in full scale sin and darkness so he can handle what I'm going through. So therefore, I'm not going to let it hold me back and I'm going to just open my mouth. I'm going to be little old sheep. I've never done it before. I don't know what I'm saying or going to say. And I'm just like, man, I know the Lord has something for this guy. And I just go, listen, uh, can I tell you something? Uh, yeah. What are you going to talk to me? give you the look. They roll their eyes. You walk through H-E-B. People don't talk to each other anymore. We're all strangers in a strange land. Not Cassandra. She talks to everybody. Now, because the Spirit of the Lord is with us, there's liberty. And let me tell you what the liberty is. The liberty is access. Everybody say access. The liberty is, look at the context of the scriptures I just showed you. The, the context is, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Right before that, he's talking about Moses. How Moses had an unveiled, or Moses was veiled. And anybody that's not converted in Christ, the Jews, anybody that's reading the law the way that it was, is veiled with the veil of Moses. Okay? I've read it a thousand times. Put it in context. So right sandwiched after that, when he's talking about the Old Testament and the law and the Mosaic law and anybody that's reading it is veiled, right after that he says, but where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom and not us. You have access to a high priest and it doesn't mean you have to put your money in the coffer and it doesn't mean he's hiding until you can find him. It means that he has full-time access. The veil's been ripped. And now you can go and he understands. Because he was tempted. He sympathizes. 
So I, can, I'm a, I think I'm a good pastor mostly because I understand and I love you because the Lord just had to cause me to die a thousand times over so that when I stand up here, I'll really represent his love in the right way because I remember how horrible it feels when I fail. And it doesn't mean that I'm perfect and I won't again, but the good news is, is every time I do, now I have the Holy Spirit going, reminding me, that's not who you are. Jesus loves you. The blood's crying out on your behalf now. The blood speaks a better word. This isn't murderous blood like Cain and Abel. This is Jesus' living blood. And the blood's now crying out, Paul, Pat, Ron, Eleni, David. So the blood is now like the voice of the Lord walking in the garden when we're in hiding. Now the blood's saying, I gave my life for that. I took that on the cross. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Oh, busted. Again, and again, and again, and again. And now instead of thinking that God's going to kill me and worried about all these other things, I'm still breathing and I still have life and he still gave his blood and there's still a chance because you're still here and God gives a million chances. He's not the God of the first, second, third. He's not the God of the second chance. He's the God of the like gazillion. (laughs) And if you don't get what I'm saying, if this doesn't sink into your heart today, you're going to live a life of inadequacy and victim mentality. Oh, man, I, I don't understand how when I, when I take for granted what God gave me and I compromise, and then the Lord just still comes along and says, hey, hey, why are you living like that? Says, but Lord, you know I deserve this. I deserve my shame. I deserve, I made my bed. Now I'm just going to lie in it. And for a week, I beg God for forgiveness. And I, of course, godly sorrow leads to repentance. But my Bible says that God takes my sin and casts it as far as from the east as the west to be remembered no more. But I'm going to keep reminding God all week long. Is somebody hearing me today? Oh, but God, you don't know how much I've screwed up. And then Lauren gets up on the stage and says, he uses ashes to build. (laughs) Who would have ever thought? Wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. You burned it down, but but somehow there's the scripture that says he trades beauty for ashes. Let's take that out. You deserve to be burned down. That's the all lies of the devil. And every week we work to call people out of hiding. Because everybody that you see everywhere in the community is hiding. I'm telling you they're hiding. And the only way that they're going to come out is when they know that there's true love and they don't have to be afraid of being ashamed. Pull up Psalm 34 verse 4. The very first thing that the enemy works on over time to get you with is fear. But God's given you an answer for fear. Look at the scripture. So when I make a decision to what? Seek the Lord. What does he do? But we don't believe he hears me. Because I'm not good enough. Let's just take this scripture out of the Bible. Are you following me? 
If we don't overcome dysfunctional thinking and lifestyle, if you can't get a shift today, I don't know how to do it. If you can't catch a revelation today and walk out of these doors so rocked, what do you, what's your answer? Everybody, your, your response is seek the Lord. What's your answer? What's your answer? What's your answer? And then he delivers you. You know, who needs deliverance? All of us. You know what deliverance means? It means to break you out of bondage. Bondage of what? You fill in the blank. I'll keep working all day long to just re- highlight it. And you go, uh, uh, uh. Left punch, right punch, uppercut, uh, uh, uh. And at some point, you finally go down for the count. I'm out. Tap. I'm tapping out from fighting my own way. Just tap out now. Tap out. I'll give you some great, if I could give myself advice from 10 years ago, it'd be this, die now. Everybody just say, die now. Now this is church like never before. So the Lord delivers you from what? Because the first thing that the enemy does is he works to get you afraid. Because fear cancels faith. Do you understand? Fear is the opposite of faith. And so we worry, we doubt, we're anxious about our jobs, our business, our clothes. What am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? It all comes down to what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat. It all comes down to that. Right, ladies? The point is, is that everything we do comes down to being preserved and comforted. And that's why the Lord says, don't live like that. Don't be like a pagan because it'll create anxiety. And I already know because I worked in the pharmaceutical business that anti-anxiety and ADD medications are the top medications prescribed to the nation. Because we're anxious, we're nervous, we're worried, we're afraid. But what if, and what if that happens, and what if I don't get this, and what if I lose that, and this, and that, and we're not clinging to the Lord with our eyes fully upon him, trusting him like more than the lilies of the field and the sparrows, he cares way more than them. In fact, he went on to say it's his pleasure to give his kingdom to you. And so we see that he delivers you first from fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he gave you something else. It was a replacement. When you were once afraid like the wicked that's fleeing from terrorism and that are afraid when no one's even coming, that's fear at its finest, isn't it? Nobody's even coming and I'm afraid. We worry about so many things that never happen. And we're fleeing when God says, you roar like a lion against the enemy because the lion is in you and greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And guess who he is? No, no. The he in the world is all of us and of course the devil and of course the lies, but there's also a you. So greater is he that's in me than me. And so I just get out of the way, and I just decrease, and I just die. And then God says, now I'll put you on display, because I'll lift you up. Because finally, when I get a walking dead man that doesn't take the glory for himself, I can now promote you. You want promotion? Die now. 
You want to fly? Die now. Unless a grain kernel of wheat falls to the ground and D-I-E. And you can't DIY. Man, I'm just flowing today. I don't know what I don't know what else to tell you. There's just a current in this place right now. Go to verse go to verse 5. If you're not looking, there's no radiance. Radiance comes from looking. Psalm don't, you don't have to pull it up. Psalm 89, 15. Those that hear the joyful sound walk in the light of his countenance. We, have it, we had it on our daughter's room. You look, you hear, you see, and then suddenly there's no shame. Am I perfect? No. But in him I am, and I'm being sanctified. And now I'm out of the way, and I'm not letting my failures and shortcomings and what you think and my inadequacies and what could happen later and tomorrow, and what if I can't pay my bills, and I don't know if I'm going to make it, and what of this and what of that, and all these things, and pull, 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 pull. Everybody needs you. Everybody wants you. Nobody wants you. You're all alone. Whatever your issue is, I'm telling you, radiance comes from looking at him because Pull up Hebrews 2, 3. Hebrews 1, 3. says that Jesus is the brightness of his image, the brightness of the glory of God. And he's seated down now. Well, my chair's gone. But he's seated. And I'm not ashamed. But instead, it was 1, 3, I'm sorry. Now I'm seated with him. And now I'm not worried and afraid anymore. This is my battle position, or this is my battle position, or this is my battle position, or this is my battle position. It doesn't matter. My sin's been purged. He's the brightness. I'm radiant because I'm hearing a sound. And I'm in his countenance. And what's the sound? It's the sound of his voice. And God confirms to me his voice over and over through his word. How much scripture have I thrown out to you today? I could go for the next three straight hours right now. Don't worry, I'm not going to because I know you got lunch. (laughs) But once he, he finished the work, it was finished. He doesn't have to toil anymore. He's not working anymore. He works in us so that we can get the picture of this. Have a seat and relax. Because the Prince of Peace, the God of Peace will. In fact, if you really understood, he's already defeated. So we're calling you out today. You have been listening to a message from David Bindet, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's prayer is for a deeper understanding of God's love and purpose for your life, and that all of us would grow into a greater awareness of our identity in Christ. Thank you for listening, and until next time, 
stay fired up.